Hello, and welcome back to the Bi-Week Podcast. We're back for episode four. And today we have a special guest. Like to introduce yourself? Sup, guys. My name is Fielding McKnight. Uh, I'll be your special guest for today's podcast. Awesome. So Fielding will be joining me, Quinn, and Cole for a week four special. So we're currently recording this, you know, Monday after week three. So we haven't seen Monday Night Football yet. So we're pretty much not going to talk about those players. Just, just a disclaimer. So today we're going to talk about just some implications in the whole NFL. This last week, there's a lot of upsets, a lot of things happened that we didn't expect. And we just want to talk about how that matters for the whole league in just a wide scope. And then we want to talk about buy low, sell highs again. You know, it's been three weeks now and we have some new buy low, sell highs, which are always important for fantasy. And then we're going to move on to some would you rather questions. We're going to be talking about would you rather for fantasy and for real life. And then we're going to go to some rookie report, just talking about what rookies have proven themselves as real good players and what rookies have kind of disappointed and we expected more from. And finally, we're going to end it off with some coaches who we think are on the hot seat and some coaches who have secured a spot and will likely be the coach for years to come. Awesome. So we're going to start with some implications for this football weekend. Cole, you want to start? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I think we should start off this week talking about something we started off last week with, the AFC South. And I feel like this weekend, the AFC South came out, and after our crapping on them last weekend, they've really proven themselves. 3-0 and against the AFC West, and, you know, the Texans lost, but it's the Texans, right? But, you know, the Jaguars go in and smoke the Chargers. The Chiefs somehow lose to the Colts after getting smoked by the Jaguars. That was lucky. Yeah, and then the Titans finally get a win over the, you know, 0-3, but still impressive Raiders. Yeah, I very much agree. AFC South was getting a lot of a lot of hate these last few weeks. Just, oh, this division is horrible, and they're never going to get any wins. I think this week was important because it kind of showed the whole NFL that this, this division's here to fight and that more of them might be a winning team than you think. Uh, another thing that, that surprised me was this Jags win over the Chargers, like Cole was talking about. Although it is pretty surprising, I think that the Chargers are in just a fine spot to keep striving and to win the division still. I mean, with the Broncos being 2-1, and one, and same with the Chiefs, the Broncos aren't going to win more games. I mean, they're going to win more games, but they're not in any way going to win this division. So if the Chargers just keep winning a few more games, they'll be right up there with the Chiefs. And this, this loss is a big deal, but I don't really think it hurts them for winning this division. You know, I think about that Jags-Chargers uh, game. I do not think that the Jags are sort of the team that's going to beat the Chargers several times, several teams like the Chargers. I think it was more of a fluke win. I mean, they lost to the Commanders earlier this year, and I don't think the Chargers fans should have anything to worry about it. I think it was just a off game, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, I think I think the Jaguars drew up a really good game plan. Their defense looked on point. Uh, Devin Lloyd balled out that game. Um, but, yeah, for Chargers fans, I, I really don't think this is a major setback. I think they are still poised to be a deep playoff team. Um but yeah, I mean, to be honest, you have to give credit where credit is due. The Jaguars played a great game. Yeah, and you know, as a Jaguars fan, I really want to like be like, oh, that was great. And you know, it was a great win. Like, I think four scores at that point, you can't blame it on injuries. But that is something you got to talk about with the Chargers is those injuries. Rashawn Slayer, we just found out today, out for the season. That's something to be concerned about. Herbert wasn't looking at 100%, and he's not really looking like he's going to be at 100% for you know maybe a week or two now. You know, and I think there is some cause for concern. J.C. Jackson's still not there. I'm I'm starting to get worried about these injuries. Joey Bosa went down in that game. Yep. Like, and you know, I love the Chargers. I think they're a great team when they're healthy. 
But as of right now, I'm starting to worry a little bit about this team. Those are some huge injuries. Like those are their main best players. For those guys all to go down is real. It makes me worry a lot. You know, to win this division, the AFC West is really stacked, and to go out and beat the Chiefs, they're really going to need all those guys, and it is really alarming, in my opinion. And I would like to point out that um, the Chargers' upcoming six games are the Texans, Broncos, Falcons, Browns, Seahawks, and 49ers, who are not very strong teams, as you might have uh, noticed from this year. And I think that um, it's not much to worry about, even missing players. I don't think the Chargers should have any problems with any of these upcoming games. Just rest the boys, get them healthy. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, let's talk about the Bills-Dolphins game. Um, I think that was, that was like pretty big for the, like really big game for the Dolphins. They, they really proved that they're a top tier team. I mean, those first two games, they played really well, um, two have popped off against the Ravens, but I mean, this Dolphins game versus Bills game really showed that the Dolphins are up there. They're a very competitive team. They can make it deep. They can make it to the, um, AFC title game, um, and, I mean, that defense looked good, holding maybe the best offense in the league to only 19 points. What do you guys think? I completely agree. I think that Tua has really solidified himself as a real good starting QB and that when Tua's playing along with these amazing receivers, they have a real chance of making a deep run. And even if you said in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't question it. They look like a really good team. And it's not like this Bills game was a fluke. They both played hard, and they won the game. And it really was surprising as a team that the Bills are like, the best team we've seen in years, and the Dolphins had no problem beating him. So I am really high on the Dolphins right now. You know, I do agree with that. I think people might say, oh, the Bills secondary was banged up. They didn't have a fair chance. But, I mean, the Dolphins scored two touchdowns on the ground. It wasn't sort of a secondary issue. I mean, Tyree Kill had two receptions, and Jalen Waddell had himself a good game. But I don't think that the Bills secondary was to blame for this loss. I think the Dolphins are a legit team. Yeah, I was just going to bring up that point. Today I was talking with a couple people, and they were using that argument, oh, the secondary is really banged up. Uh, they had a bunch of rookies starting out there. You know, a win is a win, and it's not like the Bills were playing such phenomenal offense. Like, they held that offense to 19 points, under 20 points. Anytime you hold the Bills under 20 points, I mean, you even just look at their last couple of games. They put up 30-plus on the Titans, put up 30-plus on the Rams, then you hold them under 20 and you're able to get three touchdowns on them. That's at that point, you can't say, Oh, it's the secondary. Like, because their offense was shut down by that uh, Dolphins defense. And I was impressed. Yeah. To be honest, this is kind of like the Chargers Jaguars game where the Jaguars may have got, or where uh, the Jaguars got away with a win. Kind of like how the Dolphins got away with a win here. Josh Allen did throw for 400 yards. It's hard to lose when you throw for 400 yards. But I mean, that also has to do with the Miami Dolphins defense uh, holding them out in the red zone clearly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do, I do think the Dolphins showed that. I mean, Tua didn't even have his best game, uh, only threw for 183 yards. But, um, yeah, I think the Dolphins are future contenders. Well, I, I wouldn't say the Jaguars, like, just got away with the win. I mean, they won by 28 points. That is a four-score game. Like, I can see the argument if it was a one-score game, fine, they got away with the win. Even a two-score game, maybe they got away. Three-score game, because there were some pretty big injuries, right? But at four scores, at that point, that's just being the better team. And, I'm, you know, I, you know I'm a Jaguars fan, so I'm going to defend that there. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Another thing that I thought had big implications this weekend is 
is I'm I'm sure of it. Jalen Hurts is that guy, and the Eagles are a really good team. I know over the offseason, over the last few years, it's kind of been questions on Jalen Hurts. You know, is he that guy? Can can he lead this team to a Super Bowl? Because, you know, the team he's built around them is really, really strong. So all they really need was that strong QB. He has shown that he can be that strong QB and that this team has a really good chance of making a really deep push. No, I completely agree with you, Blake. I think Jalen Hurts is, he has established people say, oh, he's a fantasy guy, he just runs the ball, but he can throw the ball and he has the weapons to go out and catch those balls. I think Devontae Smith had a crazy game. People say A.J. Brown, this and that about him, but they have a great whole like wide receiving core. I think they have depth there and uh, a team's looking great. Yeah, and I feel like Jalen Hurts, especially around the time he was drafted, suffered from the same uh, you know, thoughts around him as Lamar Jackson did in the sense that, as you were saying, that he just runs the ball. But then you look at Jalen Hurts' stats this weekend, threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns, only got 20 yards on the ground. And Lamar Jackson's doing the same thing. He has become an elite passer in the league. And you know, while he definitely retains that elite running ability, I think both of those guys have really proven themselves to be far more than just a running quarterback. Kind of like they're entering that Michael Vick type of player where they can run the ball super effectively, but do not sleep on their passing, so they'll throw it over your head right there. And I think that running ability only makes the team that much better. When you look at the Eagles' O-line and you look how prominent the Eagles' run game is, being able to have Jalen Hurts be able to run out of the pocket and make plays and throw the ball deep to his receivers, it really shows that this team is for real and that the Jalen Hurts is the guy that can lead him there. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles look like a top three team to me, maybe even the best team in the league. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, like Cole said, 340 yards, three touchdowns, can't ask for uh, much better. And that defense also looks really stout. They got eight sacks on the Commanders. I mean, I know the Commanders have, like, one of the worst offensive lines in the league, but, I mean, eight sacks is pretty inexcusable. And Devonta Smith balled out. Yeah, I'm I'm very high on this Eagles team, and I think this week they've they've got a good test ahead of them. They're playing the Jaguars, I believe. And you know, it's funny to say it, Jaguars are a good test, but these are two teams who have been pretty hot lately. So I'm I'm actually really excited to watch this game, which is not something I thought I would say. And one last point I want to say is that all this talk about these quarterbacks really proving themselves. One quarterback, in my opinion, who really has not proved himself, and I'm I'm sure that this could be literally his last year, is Justin Fields. He just can't throw the ball. I mean, you look at his last three games, he's on a ball for 120 yards, 70 yards, and 106 yards. You can't have that as your starting quarterback. The team, the coaching, is literally afraid to, to make him throw the ball, so all they do is run it every play. They're not going to win games like that. They need a quarterback that can actually throw the ball so they can mix it in with their run game, and they're not so predictable. Justin Fields is just not that guy, and I don't see this team going anywhere. I I completely disagree with that with that take. I, Justin Fields has zero offensive line. If you could give Justin Fields a mediocre offensive line, like maybe like the Jaguars offensive line, Justin Fields could do much better. He, I mean, they can't have Justin Fields throw the ball because he doesn't have time to. If you watch the Packers game, he would roll out immediately as he got, as he got the football from the center. I mean, this poor guy is just getting demolished each and every year. You know, uh, I'm, I'm good. Or okay, yeah. You go ahead. You go ahead. I completely disagree with Quinn. I Thank do you. agree with Blake. Yeah. Thank you. The Bears receivers have, as a whole, have less receptions than individual receivers this year. Twenty-three completions is awful 
especially off his 45 passing attempts in three games played. Yeah, it's and disgusting. And then you look at the running game, Quinn. I love the argument about oh, he's such a bad line, bad O line, and that's a great argument when it's true. But you look at their run game, Khalil Herbert, who's not even an RB one on that team, had 20 carries, 157 yards, and two touchdowns. You can't do that kind of damage behind a bad O line. So that argument that oh, it's such a bad O line. I mean, I agree they're below average, but they are not so atrocious because. I mean, you look at an RB2, smoking teams. So, yeah. I would. And, and the O-line's bad, but he still has to show some potential. Yeah. Like, I understand he's going to take a lot of sacks, but I want to see something good out of him. Like, I, every once in like a while Joe he Burrow has Joe Burrow last yeah. year. Exactly. I mean, even Joe Burrow this year, his line is still horrible. He's still throwing for 300 yards. He's having not a great year. But to throw for less than 100 yards, that can't be a starting QB, and that never will be. It's not going to work out. Yeah, I mean... I do think Justin Fields is struggling more than he should be currently, but I mean, he still got sacked five times by a really like poor defensive line in the Texans. Uh, so, I mean, Justin Fields, I do think the potential is there, but I don't think it's his last year in the NFL. Um, so let's move on to some buy low, sell high candidates. Let's start with some buy low. Uh, who wants to start? Quinn, you want to start? Sure. Uh, a buy low I have is Debo Samuel. Um, he only has one receiving touchdown this year and hasn't uh, hasn't gone over 14 points. But now that the Niners' backfield is uh, pretty banged up with Elijah Mitchell out um, and Jeff Wilson now being the starting running back, um, Debo's kind of be going to be the only person who's getting the ball on this offense. Um, last night's game was, I mean, really bad all around. But he still managed to drop 12 points uh, without a touchdown. And last year he thrived with Jimmy G. He was the third position ranked wide receiver in the league uh, for fantasy. And right now, he's only position ranked 28. I only see him improving. Yeah, no, I love the Debo Samuel take. I, I think Debo's a really solid fantasy player just because he can never really bust. I mean, even when he doesn't catch the ball at all, he runs it every, like at least four or five times every game. So, you know, even off in a bad week, he's going to get 12 or 13 points, which I really agreed with. Another person I like to buy low on is J.K. Dobbins. Oh, you know, uh, the offseason with Jake, you know, J.K. Dobbins, besides this last week, hadn't really played football for like 600 days. It sounds insane. And the coaching staff for the Ravens are always really cautious with them, you know, kind of slowly getting him in the play slowly there. And they even said before he started playing that when he got in the field, he was going to be limited. But as he got healthier, he was going to play a lot. So J.K. Dobbins first week back only getting seven carries. That's what I expected. And I know that's going to go up each and every week. He feels healthier and healthier. And by you know, a few weeks later, maybe week seven, week eight, he could really be a good RB1 for your fantasy team. So I think it's a good time to buy low on him. You know, I really like that J.K. Dobbins take. And just to further that, you look at finally the Ravens have some solid receivers on them. Now they can take the top off that defense, spread them out, and then now you can start running the ball on them. And you've seen it with Lamar Jackson on his own. But now once you start getting J.K. involved, I think he could do a lot of damage in that offense. And, you know, moving on from that J.K. Dobbins take, which I do like, I do love J.K. Dobbins, I think you could buy Dalvin Cook low right now. He saw an astronomically low amount of production in weeks one and two, and he was showing signs of progression week three. He scored that touchdown, but he got hurt. And I think that you've looked back in his career. he's gets injured, this and that, but he's dealt with his shoulder injury many times, and I think he does know how to deal with it. He has that shoulder harness that he's played with before, and he's played great with it. 
So I do think Dalvin Cook is not much to be concerned about, and you could trade for him right now. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think he's only going to go up uh, from here. He's been a really consistent running back over the past couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I really agree with that take. Okay, another player, actually a player who I would sell high on, a guy who's currently going going to be a lot more valuable than he's going to be as the season goes on, I feel like is James Robinson. Because ETN has started getting far more involved in that offense. And, you know, you look at Robinson, he was having a pretty just run-of-the-mill day yesterday. He had, like, I think 12 points other than the big 50-yard touchdown run, which you're not going to get those every week. And the same thing happened just a couple weeks ago against the Commanders. He would not have had 18 points had it not been for the giant touchdown he pulled off. And while those are awesome for, you know, that week in fantasy, those are not going to happen every week. And so right now, just for someone who's maybe like, you know, going to have to survive off those big plays, he's a great guy to sell high on right now. I agree completely. I mean, you look at Travis Etienne over the last three weeks, he started with four carries, very disappointing, and then went to nine, and then went to 13, and that's only going to go up more. And Travis Etienne's upside is, always, upside is also so much higher because he's better in the passing game. And over the season, I see Etienne really being the main running back because he can pass the ball, so he can catch the ball, and he can run the ball, and he's going to get more touchdowns. So I think Etienne is someone that I would uh, want over James Robinson right now. Yeah, I mean, I I also had James Robinson down as a sell high. Um, I did see Etienne starting to get more involved in that offense. Uh, he dropped uh, 13 carries. Um, it's slowly starting to uh, – his production is slowly starting to increase. And, uh, I mean, it's only going to go up from here. Um, like Cole said, James Robinson isn't going to get a 50-yard uh, touchdown bomb each week. And uh, ETN's receiving upside is very good. Um, catch the ball to the backfield a lot. Me and Cole were at that game. Um, very cool to watch, very fun to watch. Um, I I really do think um, ETN is going to get more involved, and James Robinson uh, is a little overvalued right now. And another running back I'm selling high on is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's touching. He's running the ball five times a game this year, and he's receiving it less than three times a game, which I think is awful for an RB1 to be touching the ball that few times a game, especially with Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco running the ball behind him. I think that things are not looking great for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he's just had some big plays that have helped boost his uh, points per game in fantasy, but I think that's deceiving. Yeah, I, I agree with that take. I mean, watching some of the Chiefs games this year, even for maybe like a half, uh, it seems like all three of those running backs, um, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Pacheco, and Alaire, are like sharing snaps. Um, so, I mean, fantasy-wise, that is not good value um, for a guy like Clyde Edwards, Alaire. He hasn't even got 10 carries one time this season. He's been getting bailed out by touchdowns and receptions, which is not going to hold up. And like you guys are saying, you know, he's pretty much splitting it with two other guys. And... His points look good, but they're not going to stay like that. You know, he can't have zero, seven carries for zero yards. That is so inefficient. He's not going to stay fantasy relevant, and it's good to get rid of him now. I agree. Another person that I do want to sell high on is Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown's been playing really good the last three weeks. You know, he had 17 targets this last week. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back week seven because they have a bye in week six. And he's still going to be relevant, but he's going to be put in that wide receiver two role which is not going to be demanding 17 targets. He's still going to be good, but the value he is at right now is way higher than it's going to be in a few weeks. So I think it's good to get rid of him. 
So you can have DeAndre Hopkins as a real wide receiver one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here. Go ahead, go um, ahead. Yeah, I really like that take. Another guy who's in that kind of similar wheelhouse that just like production's not going to keep up is Cortland Sutton. That Broncos offense has really not impressed me so far. And he's mostly surviving off of big 20-yard bombs from Wilson. And you know what? That actually probably could keep up a little better than the guys like James Robinson who are so touchdown dependent. But again, you're not going to get that every single game. You know, you're going to get it every now and then. But Cortland Sutton, you look at him last year, he was very, very poor. And even this season, he's just not impressed me in the way he's been playing. He's putting up, let me see, 11, 13, then 17 points. That's just not something that I can see keeping up for Cortland Sutton, especially with Judy and that offense. And they've got Javante, who's a receiving back. I don't see that keeping up for him. You know, I do sort of disagree with that take. I mean, looking at his numbers, he's had double-digit targets in the last two weeks. And I think that only goes up from here as him and Russell Wilson gain chemistry. And I think uh, things are looking good for Cortland Sutton. And you could almost buy him a little bit lower than he's worth, I think. I should kind of agree with Fielding on this take. As a Jerry Judy fantasy owner as well, you know, even, you know, Jerry Judy missed week two, which is, I guess, a little bit of a factor. But even when Jerry Judy's on the field watching the game, it just seems like Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson are more on, like, on track together than Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson. Like, Jerry Judy is, you know, turning around and the pass isn't even there. And I feel like Russell Wilson has way more trust in Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton is also just someone who's been in the league longer and he's a veteran, and I think he's he's really always been consistent. And I am no problem keeping Cortland Sutton, and I don't think you need to trade him away. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that take by Fielding. Um, I had Cortland Sutton last year; was not great, but I mean, he brought up that double digit targets. It's hard for that uh, volume to go down. Um, and watching the game last night, it seemed like he was the only reliable uh, catcher of the football. I mean, Russell Wilson couldn't even complete. Uh, um, a dump off pass to his running backs. So I do think Corwin Sutton could grow into a, a wide receiver one on this team. You know, and I I like Cortland Sutton as a player. I think he's a good player, but I'm just simply saying for the value he's at right now with the points he's been putting up, you can probably get a really good return on a trade, like trading away Cortland Sutton right now because of the reasons you guys have said. And I think you're going to get a lot more for Cortland Sutton now than you would, I think, any other time this season. And a trade like that might be able to benefit you. You you trade him away for two solid players and, like, you know, maybe fill up some holes on your roster. That's more so what I'm suggesting you do with Cortland. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think like that's a reasonable take. I think we should move on to some would-you-rather questions. Um, let's start with a, let's one that's relevant to fantasy. Would you rather, on your roster right now, have Drake London or Chris Olave, two really powerful rookies who both have great fantasy starts, so, which guys, which one would you guys rather have? Uh, personally, I would rather have Chris Olave. Um, he has averaged over 13 yards per reception so far this year. And uh, since week one, his receptions and targets have only been going up. The past two weeks, he dropped 13 and 23 fantasy points. Uh, I really see this a great connection with uh, him and Jameis Winston. And he's a deep ball threat as well. So, I don't see his production going down. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that. And I, I definitely like Olave, but I just think London is him. And I think there's a reason he was the first receiver taken off the board this year. And because look at his stats, he's put up 12.4, 24.6 and 14.4. And that is an offense without a lot of uh, weapons in it. You know, they've kind of only competing with Kyle Pitts. 
And Mariota is not the kind of quarterback who's going to spread the wealth. He has been very focused on just uh, London these past couple weeks, and finally he got around to Pitts this week. But I, I really like London, and I think he could be a really dangerous guy in fantasy going forward. You know, I do really like London, and I like what he brings to the Falcons' offense. He's just like he's a unicorn. He's a freak at the wide receiver position. He's tough to guard. But I mean, looking at Chris Olave's numbers, he's had 13 targets in back-to-back games. I think those are crazy numbers. And I'd like to point out that London had two touchdowns in the last two weeks, which is probably not sustainable. And Chris Olave is just like his volume is just is. Um, I'm much greater than Drake London. Well, that's kind of what London is, is he's a big body. Yeah, that's, exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think I'd rather have Drake London. Even though I think you have more upside from Chris Olave, you might get those you know, 120-yard games with 15 targets. But the thing about Drake London is that every week, I feel like he's going to solidly get you 12 to 15 just because he's so good in the red zone. He touches, like, I know you said talked about touchdowns and that could regress. I honestly don't know if it could regress. I think he's kind of in that Mike Evans range where he's just really good at catching touchdowns. He's kind of built for that. He's massive. He has really good hands. He's good in the red zone. So I think having someone like Drake London, even when he's not playing well, even when the Falcons are down, him getting a touchdown can kind of bail out your whole team. And I think he's more consistent and will be more consistent than someone like Chris Olave. Yeah, I mean, that Mike Evans comparison kind of does it for me. I'm not, I've never necessarily been high on Mike Evans as a fantasy football player. Uh, just because of how touchdown-dependent he is, I think fantasy-wise, you don't necessarily want a touchdown-dependent player, right? Uh, PPR leagues, you thrive off of um, of uh, yards. Sorry. Uh, you thrive off of yards. Uh, like Debo Samuel last night dropped 12 points and didn't even have a touchdown, right? Um, and Drake London only caught three passes last game. That does not seem like a sustainable... A player for me to get uh, double digit points every week. So while I like both of those guys, the real rookie receiver I would rather have on my team is Garrett Wilson. Yep. I He's gotten double digit targets each of the last two weeks. He had two touchdowns against the Browns. He had six receptions this week against Cincinnati. He is a beast out there. And between these three guys, while I love London and I love Olave, Garrett Wilson, I really feel like is going to be the best of these guys. I see him becoming like that guy who's the clear wide receiver one from a class like Justin Jefferson from his, Jamar from his. I see Garrett Wilson being that guy from this year's draft class. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about it the other day. Like the way Garrett Wilson is starting to take off in his rookie season is kind of reminding me of how Justin Jefferson took off. Um, So I really like that take. Uh, Going off of that, I do think Garrett Wilson is probably the most well-rounded wide receiver in this draft. You look at Guys like Olave, London could have off games just because they're more utilized in one way on the field, but Garrett Wilson can do it all. The only thing I would say about him is with Zach Wilson coming back this week, I think, I mean, the quarterback change just could switch things up. We'll see. I mean, maybe it makes him better, maybe it makes him worse. But Oh, I definitely think it's going to make him better, especially with Zach Wilson who loves to just sling it around. And Wilson's a guy who's going to get open deep. I think Wilson's going to be a great guy to go. Because Flacco, you know, he's old. He doesn't have the arm strength he once did. And I don't think that this offense was really as potent as it could be. But with Wilson back, Wilson to Wilson connection could be lethal going forward. Yeah, I think as long as Zach Wilson takes care of the ball, uh, Garrett Wilson could still maintain this production. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Robert Sala, we've seen him after three weeks. (laughs) He's getting Flacco, who's insanely old, to throw the ball like, 
an insane amount every week. You know, he's That's like leading. Point. Yeah. yeah, he's leading the league in yards. It's Joe Flacco. You know what I mean? So for for Zach Wilson to be back, which is much better in arm, much more talented. Garrett Wilson's only going to be upgraded, in my opinion. And that, you know, Zach Wilson could make Garrett Wilson a real fantasy starter. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to add a stat on to Blake's point. He's he had fifty two attempts last game, which is just unreal. He, like that's that's crazy good for any receiver on that team. They're gonna get the ball yeah. in their hands regardless of how good he is. So another would you rather I'd like to bring up was actually a trade submitted by a fan. It was Travis Kelsey and Aaron Jones for Cooper Cup. Which side of that trade would you rather be on? I would I think I'd rather get Cooper Cup. Uh, I mean, so far he's has not slowed down from last season. He's picked up right where he's left off. The volume is there, plenty of targets per game, always going to rack up yards, um, and it seems to be almost a a um, like a, a sure touchdown every game. Um, it's clearly one of the best wide receiver quarterback connections in the league, uh, so I'd rather have Cooper Cup. You know, I do agree there. I think... I mean, A.J. Dillon concerns me with Aaron Jones a little bit. I don't think Aaron Jones will repeat that crazy game that he had. So I do think Cooper Cup is always going to be a lock for points. And you saw Travis Kelsey have 10 points last week. And I don't know. I just think Cooper Cup's going to get you those fantasy points and that value when Aaron Jones and Travis Kelsey might not on other weeks. I'm on the Cooper Cup train as well. You know, there's always so many Cooper Cup doubters, but he's the one person who really never lets you down. I mean, it's every week he's putting up 20 or 30. And, you know, Aaron Jones has been really inconsistent. You know, he's, he put up that massive 30-point game, but then he he falls up with a seven-pointer off an Aaron Jones, who's someone who's supposed to really lead your team. And also, it's not like Travis Kelsey is having a record year for him. He's playing all right, but it, it's not a superstar year. I want Cooper Cup. I want those free points. I know he's not going to let me down. I'm for sure that Cooper Cup. So I'm going to have to take the opposite side of y'all. And because I was I was actually he who received Aaron Jones and Travis Kelsey. You know, I was the fan who submitted the question. But I, I just, I feel like receivers are so replaceable because, you know, there's guys, Cooper Cup, you know, he's obviously the best, right? But there's so many receivers who you can put in because really all a receiver needs is just one big play. They need either a touchdown or a massive bomb. So I feel like receivers, you can always rotate in there, but a running back and a tight end, those are hard to come by, especially an RB1 like Aaron Jones, who's not even going to end up being my RB1 because I already have uh, Saquon and I have McCaffrey in that league. But then also Travis Kelsey's just, you know, he's the best tight end, and that's just a fact, and he's a hard guy to replace. So I would rather have two guys fill solid holes on my team and then just kind of patch in with like either a DK Metcalf in that wide receiver slot, wide receiver two slot, or just someone like that who you know can probably get good enough production that makes up for that little loss of points at receiver when you're getting big gains at running back and at tight end. So speaking of DK Metcalf, would you guys rather have Mike Williams or DK Metcalf right now on your fantasy teams? Um, I think, I mean, I think I'd rather have DK. Uh, Keenan Allen is coming back very, very soon, and... I mean, Mike Williams has only had one good game. Uh, the game yesterday against the Jaguars, he uh, scored single-digit points. 
Um, well, he had a touchdown, though. He had one catch, but it was at least a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, but still, the targets weren't there. And only with Keenan Allen coming back, I only see um, Mike Williams' production going down. So, and I mean, DK Metcalf is the clear wide receiver one on the Seahawks. And Chino Smith isn't playing that bad. He's been fairly serviceable. And I think that connection between Geno and DK is only going to get better. You know, I definitely do agree with that. I think DK is much better than Mike Williams. Mike Williams, from here on out, is only regressing, I believe. And I think DK is really at his floor. He doesn't, he won't get much worse than how he's been performing. And I do think he could continue to develop that connection with Geno Smith and uh, improve his game. Yeah, I, I have DK on my team. I think he's great, and I'm happy to plug him in. But Mike Williams is Mike Williams. And as a, you know, funny enough, I think the Keenan Allen coming back is actually the best thing that could happen for Mike Williams because now he's taking away that wide receiver one role, and now he gets to finally, like, he doesn't have the best corner on him. And, you know, Mike Williams is taking the defense away from him, and he's a deep threat. You can start hitting him long because he's not going to be – all the focus isn't on him. And now you've got Eckler out of the backfield. You've got Herbert at least starting to recover. I think Williams is going to explode this season. And with Allen there, that's a one-two duo I've always really liked. They've always done really well together. And I think that's just going to continue. I actually agree with Cole. With the exception of week one where both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams played. Yeah, like Cole said, Keenan Allen being there for Mike Williams has actually been really positive. And, you know, Mike Williams, he's not the best route runner. He's not going to beat you with a one-two move. But he's a deep ball specialist, and he's once you have guy. yeah, once you have Keenan Allen taking up you know those cornerback ones, you have big guy Mike Williams on a deep ball with some cornerback two or some slot cornerback. That's where you really get the points of Mike Williams. And I know it can be really hit or miss, but I would rather take the hit on someone like Mike Williams on my flex and DK who might just get 12, 14, you know. Yeah, because those Mike when Mike Williams hits, he's putting up like thirty five points, forty. When he is on, he is on, and I want him on my team those weeks. You know, although I still do like DK, I would like to agree with that take about Keenan Allen coming back. Does not hurt Mike Williams at all, I don't think. I mean, if anything, like you saw Mike Williams against the Chiefs not running routes that a receiver like him usually would. He's the guy who's on those fades, goes. But he, They had him running slants and inside routes, and I just didn't really like to see him played like that. And I do think, I mean, going back to the deep ball game will be only beneficial for him. Yeah, I mean, I really still can't wrap my head around this. Uh, he has 11 – Mike Williams only has 11 receptions on the year total, uh, two receptions week one, eight receptions in that breakout game week two, and then one reception for Jacksonville. I'd rather have someone a little more consistent like DK Metcalf who will give you 12 points. I do think Mike Williams could be um, very valuable if you do have like a team that's pretty stacked at wide receiver and there's a good matchup for him. But personally, I'd still take a more consistent wide receiver in DK Metcalf. And going back on Blake's point about DK giving you that 12 to 14 points at flex, I love that. I mean, he's not going to let you down. Mike Williams is a guy who could let you down. Yeah, no, that is very true. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, it just kind of comes down to preference, whether you want that boom or bust or you just want that consistent guy. So both points make sense to me. Okay, so another would you rather for y'all. A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith? Who would you rather have for the rest of the season? Oh, A.J. Brown, 100%. Uh, I mean, Devontae Smith has maybe like two or three games a year 
where he gets 20-plus points. But A.J. Brown seems to be the one getting all the targets on this team. So that's why I'd be rocking with A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, for sure. I don't even know how this is a question, really. I, I saw Devontae Smith with this big game, but the A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts connection has been massive. And A.J. Brown is just such an athletic and powerful receiver that he's not going to let you down. And Devonta Smith, he's good. He's good in the deep ball. He's good at tracking the ball, but he's not going to give you nearly the amount of points as A.J. Brown. Yeah, I agree a million percent with these guys. I think Devontae Smith is a high-skill guy. He'll, he'll like go get the ball downfield if you throw it up to him. He'll make a good grab, but A.J. Brown, he's just a freak. He's going to get the ball in his hands, and he's going to run with the ball as well. I think he's just a lock for a lot of receptions each game, and that's just never going to let you down. Yeah, I agree a, a, a quadrillion percent. Like, I think A.J. Brown is just that guy. And, you know, I, I know I proposed the question. I was more so just seeing if anyone would take the bait of the big week uh, from Devontae Smith, in which I would then pretty much say, like, no, nah, A.J. Brown is still A.J. Brown. Him and Jalen, especially now that Jalen Hurts has finally, like, blossomed, I think he's going to be an absolute stud in the league. I think A.J. Brown, and you know, I, I'm not saying I don't think Devonta's going to be a stud. I think he's actually going to be great, but I think he's just going to be like that complimentary Mike Williams to Keenan Allen type of thing where you've got your clear wide receiver one, but then you've got your clear wide receiver two there too. Yeah, yeah. A.J. Brown also has more upside in the, in the end zone just because he's a bigger body and he's better on those short little routes. So A.J. Brown catching touchdowns is also has a higher possibility, which just makes him even better. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown has 35 targets total on the year, uh, eight being his lowest per game, and his lowest amount of yards is only 70. So, And he's still got, uh, uh, like, 12 points that game. So, I mean, I think his floor is, like, 10 points, and his ceiling is through the roof. I'm rocking with A.J. Brown all day. So let's move on to some rookie report. Uh, what rookies have really proved themselves, and what rookies have shown that they're they're not that good and they're not that guy? I'll start with, you know, one rookie that I think has really proved himself, which has been Drake London. You know, we yeah. talked about him earlier, but Drake London is someone who was drafted really high and was kind of questioned on it just because, you know, he's not that fast. He didn't do that good in the combine, but he's shown that he's ready for the NFL and he's built for the NFL. That big body, that massive catch radius, that touchdown upside, he's pretty much, I don't know, when watching the game, he's just always there for Mariota. And I think he's someone who could really have a career with longevity and someone that could really be a pro bowler probably five or six years. Yeah, I, I agree a quintillion percent. I think just the upside is there. I think he's just going to continue to grow. Drake London, he's very similar to that A.J. Brown type of player where he's just a big body who's going to get you those touchdowns. Um, another rookie I really like has been Devin Lloyd from the Jaguars. Currently leads all rookies in tackles and interceptions. Mm -hmm. Two interceptions, 24 tackles. In, we took him late first round. And, you know, I might just be bringing him up here just because I'm a Jaguars fan, but I really think he's been the best defensive rookie over even Trayvon Walker, over Aiden Hutchinson. He had a great game the other week, though. I do give him props for that. But Devin Lloyd, he had four passes defended this week. He's playing the roles of a cornerback, a linebacker, and a D lineman all super effectively. So I am, I am stoked that that guy is on my team, and I think he's going to be a beast. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Devin Lloyd has been balling out. Um, he seems to be playing just as adver advertised, even if better. Uh, I think the Jaguars definitely got him uh, as a steal in the late first round. Yeah, going on, I mean, you could talk about the wide receivers in this draft all day long. I feel like there's just some great talents, but I'd like to talk about Tyler Smith, the Cowboys rookie O-lineman out of Tulsa. 
He is 6'6", 332 pounds. He is a monster. Ooh. <laughs> the only problems with him going into the draft, why he received criticism for being taken so high, is that he just doesn't really seem to know what he's doing a lot of the time. A lot of penalties in college. <laughs> he's, he was just a hothead. A lot of many people didn't like this Cowboys pick, but I like to point out he only does have one penalty this year, which isn't, I mean, great, obviously, but that's fine though for it's a not, rookie. Yeah, yeah, it's not nearly as bad as people I think were. Uh, sort of expecting him to be and I would like to compare him to Charles Cross who was taken at the 109 this year Mm. he has three sacks allowed with a PFF grade of 60 compared to Tyler Smith's 70 and an Evan Neal who has the same amount of sacks allowed as Tyler Smith does at that one with a 44.6 PFF grade which is obviously just not good and I think this Tyler Smith is uh, really proving himself uh, filling a big role on that Cowboys team. Yeah, I, I agree. A quadrillion percent. Oh, why do you keep saying <laughs> that? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> shh, 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 shh. Okay, let me be. Um, yeah, Tyler Smith's been a great player this year. And you know, the Cowboys, I think that not only did they get the best player available, because at looking back on it, it's a great pick. It's a position the Cowboys really needed. And, you know, that's already a good O-line. But now they put him in there, and this O-line has been you know, really well. They got Cooper Rush a win. They play again tonight, and if this defense can get Cooper Rush or this O-line gets Cooper Rush another win, I'm going to just applaud Jerry Jones and say, you know what, like you took a risk on this O-lineman who was, you know, like everyone was talking about him, but he's working out for you. Another rookie I'm high on after week three is Sauce Gardner. You know, look at this. Sauce Gardner in week three held Jamar Chase under 30 yards. That is really impressive. Jamar Chase, you know, has cemented himself as a superstar receiver. So to hold him under 30 yards is very, very impressive. And also, it's just like Sauce Gardner is like the opposite of Trayvon Diggs. You know, he stays with the play the whole time. He never ball hawks. He's always just with the receiver. And he's not. He's probably not going to get that many interceptions. But boy, is he good in coverage. And he's really good one-on-one. And it shows keeping someone like Jamar Chase under 30 yards. Yeah, I like that take. Uh, South Carolina has definitely proven to be one of the better uh, rookie uh, defensive players so far. Uh, maybe even one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, I mean, yeah, he's held multiple uh, great wide receivers to under uh, to like very few yards. So, yeah, I like that take. And someone I would like to compare him to who I do not like is Stingley. Stingley has – he was taken at the 103, and – he just has extremely high expectations going into this year. And he has double as many targets as Sauce Gardner does, as well as receptions about. And, I mean, that's obviously not a good thing. If you're getting targeted as a corner, that means they don't have faith that you're going to make a play on their wide receiver. And especially the 12 receptions is not its not amazing, especially with the expectations he had going into this year. Yeah, being the, being the third overall pick, I really think that he should be playing better. Um, especially, I mean, for being such a highly touted player, uh, out of, out of LSU, um, I mean, he was dominant, best cornerback, uh, in college football. He definitely should be doing better. It's kind of reminding me of Jeff Okuda's rookie season where he, where Jeff Okuda was the best cornerback, uh, in college football and then came came onto the, uh, Lions and did not prove himself, um, to be that top pick that he was, 
Um, but I do think Derek Stingley will end up getting um, getting better. Uh, another player that I am not high on so far is Sky Moore. Uh, this guy was supposed to be a steal in fantasy football drafts. Um, uh, young rookie uh, who has loads of potential, but he just seems to be the kickoff and punt returner. Uh, he has one reception on the year for 30 yards, four pan- fantasy points total. Um, I mean, this seemed to be a, a total bust for the Chiefs. I don't know why they're u- not utilizing him more, um, but, I mean, clearly he hasn't proven himself. Going a little bit off topic here, I want to go back to what Quinn said about Jeff Okuda. And I know they he did let us down his rookie year, but just last week he put Justin Jefferson on lockdown. Yeah. There, they, he was targeted six times guarding him for three receptions and 14 yards, which is obviously you'll never see another game like that from Justin Jefferson. And I just think Jeff Okuda has been amazing. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I said Derek Stingley is only going to get better. Um, sometimes it takes rookies a, a little bit to uh, get used to the NFL. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great year last year. Uh, even Mac Jones is still struggling. Um, so, I mean, you got to give – guys some guys uh, a break but uh, um kind of going back to what blake said sauce gardner is flourishing clearly the best um uh rookie cornerback to um come out of the draft yeah and just before we move on one last guy i'd like to bring up is kair elam and from the bills that he was their first round pick and while i don't think he's been impeccable he was thrust into a pretty tough situation this week having to start his first game uh, against the Dolphins because of the, the you know wealth of injuries to that uh, defense, but he actually did pretty well. He had a pass defended, he had five tackles. Like that's not awful. I mean, it's not impeccable either. But for a guy who's thrust into a tough spot against two phenomenal receivers on that uh, Dolphins offense and Tua, who's finally playing well, I was impressed and I was happy to see him doing well in that game. Yeah, I think he played really well in that game, and it was impressive. And just a final tiny little note, Christian Watson has also been disappointing. He was drafted in the second round, and he's kind of drafted to fill a partial role of that Devontae Adams. You know, and it just really doesn't seem like that Aaron Rodgers-Christian Watson connection has been there. He's injured now, but even week one and two, he dropped that easy touchdown pass, was for sure, you know, lost trust with Rodgers, and he just hasn't looked like that guy that they drafted him as, which is a little disappointing. So to move on, to finish this stuff off, we're going to talk about some coaches who we think are on the hot seat and then some coaches who have kind of solidified themselves as starting coaches. Who wants to start? Uh, I would love to start. Uh, I think this one's pretty obvious, Josh McDaniels. Uh, only only uh, team without a win so far. Um, the Raiders have allowed 77 points, which is the second most in the league. He has already had to have a meeting, like a very serious meeting with the owner. I mean, this start does not look good. With the talent you have on offense with Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, uh, Devontae Adams, and Darren Waller, there's no reason that uh, the Raiders shouldn't be winning games. Uh, this should be a much more, much more competitive team. And for an offensive-minded coach like Josh McDaniels, he has really been under underperforming. I agree. I mean, like, like Quint said, the amount of talent that's on this team now, the amount of people they paid, they had such high expectations to go 0-3 that is so disappointing, and I know people have to be frustrated with that. And even their defense, people question. They got Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, a solid secondary. They should be winning games, and I blame it mostly on the coaching staff. Yeah, McDaniels, and even remember a couple of years ago when he went to go be the coach of the Broncos, 
he was stunk. He got fired from that job. Yeah. I think he is good as an offensive coordinator in the Bill Belichick system. I think that is the role he should play. You know, he got Brady. He got to win some games. But as a head coach, I've just, I wasn't impressed the first time he was a head coach. And I've not been impressed now, especially with just so much talent around him. It's really hard to watch him, you know, run that team into the ground. And in that receiving core, especially, like, yeah. that is one of the most talented receiving cores I've seen. And to have him not even be that efficient, that shouldn't happen. They should be making plays and something is wrong. And I think going on, I definitely agree. I think that the Raiders need to get it together with their coaching. And another team that needs to get it together is the Cardinals. I think Cliff Kingsbury, people look at him and say, like, oh, it's not his fault. The Cardinals have been good. But the Cardinals, their wins have only come in the beginning of the season. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Kingsbury's below 500 as a coach in Arizona, and most of those wins are coming in the beginning of the season with just losses after that. And I think that the Cardinals haven't produced with a talented roster. I mean, that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they're two amazing players. And it's not like James Conner is a good running back, too. I think that their offense is talented, and we haven't seen enough um, production out of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that take. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury... I mean, since 2020, uh, I mean, that seems to be the only good year he's had. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals have plenty of talent, especially defensively, uh, to be winning more games. This should be a, a deep uh, playoff team. And last year they proved uh, not to be so. And this year they are still going off to a uh, very slow start. Uh, I do think Cliff Kingsbury needs to uh, pick up the pace. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's kind of on just like, the head office. I just don't think the Cardinals are run that well, especially with that Marquise Brown trade. It's like you had a lot of holes in that team, and receiver was not really one of them, especially before DeAndre Hopkins went down. Like they need to fill something else, but yet they traded for Marquise Brown. They got rid of a first round draft pick. Like I just don't really think that was a smart idea. And I do blame Kingsbury. He's not that great of a coach, but I think it's an all around, just kind of not that well run team. Yeah. And on the flip side of that coin, a coach who I think has now solidified himself as a coach who is here to stay is Nick Sirianni for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. I doubted him his first couple of years. I didn't think he was, you know, all that impressive. But all of a sudden, he has this Eagles franchise looking significantly better. He's finally getting the best out of Jalen Hurts. He's getting the best out of his receivers. He's been drafting well. I am I am impressed with him, and I think Sirianni is going to be the Eagles head coach for a long, long time. Yeah, I had him down as well. 3 and 0 start. Looks like one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, and have scored 86 uh, points, which is, I think, top three in the league. Uh, you can't ask for much more. Jalen Hurts looks better than ever. Um, yeah, I agree. Nick Sirianni is doing a great job. And I do think another coach who has secured their spot is Mike Lee McDaniel. There's been so much questions about him coming into this season, and he's just proved all of them wrong, any haters, any naysayers. I think he's 3-0 and with this incredible Dolphins team, and Nothing has gone wrong for them as of now, and uh, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. I think he just seems poised with his play calls, and he's turning a team that had a lot of talent but also had a lot of holes and a lot of questions into a real Super Bowl-caliber team. And he's making Tua look really well with his play calls, and I think that his weapons that he got over the offseason, he's really using them effectively, and Jalen Waldo and Tyreek Hill are going to add to this amazing roster. Yeah, and but unfortunately, the other Mike, who's the head coach, Mike McCarthy, I don't think he's been doing well at all. Fielding, would you like to speak on the matter? 
No, I completely agree. I think Mike McCarthy is just a guy who he's not going to win a team, a Super Bowl. I think he's really one of those guys that Jerry Jones went out and got as just someone to sort of do his will and what he wants. He's not someone that's going to have his own opinions. I think if the Cowboys brought in a Sean McVay, Jerry Jones would lose all say he had in the team because he does know what he's doing. He has his own opinions. So I think he's just a guy that is going to do what Jerry Jones wants him to do, and he's not going to win us games in the long term. Another coach that I think is really kind of, he's already just started, but he's already almost on the hot seat, is Nathaniel Hackett. (laughs) Week one and two, he had trouble with the clock, you know, clock issues. And both all week one, two, and three, he just hasn't really taken advantage of his team. Like, the Russell, Russell Wilson and the Broncos were some team in the beginning of the season that was looked at really highly. But I don't see that at all. Even though they're 2-1, and one, they just don't look good. Their offense looks poor. They're putting up like 10 points every week. It's, this is a team that's supposed to be high scoring and have an amazing offense. And Daniel Hackett's just not doing a good job with this team. I could not agree more. They have the worst offense in the NFL, which should be absolutely impossible given the wide receiver talent they have. And plus Russell Wilson, like... When he's at his best, he's a top five, he's a top five QB in the league at least. And I mean, this team has only scored forty three points so far. Uh, the defense is actually playing pretty good, and is kind of the only reason why they have been winning games. But with guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, I mean, this team should be loaded. This team should be scoring points, and they have not done so. And they have already had to hire a game strategist for Nathaniel Hackett. That is not good for a rookie coach. Yeah, as Blake was saying, this is a really unimpressive 2-1 and one start. You lose to the Seahawks in a game that you you have to win, right? You just trade for uh, It was Russell literally Wilson. Hackett's fault they lost. No, yeah. you, you just trade for Russell Wilson from Seattle. Like, that's a game you have to win. That's you That's you saying, we won this trade. And they, they lost to a Seattle team that's really not that good. And why did they lose? Because of Hackett. But then they go off, they have a close game against the Texans, which should never happen because the Texans are a bum team. And then they go out this week and like play arguably the worst winning football game I've seen in my life when they beat uh, the 49ers. And you can also just see in the crowd, like they're just not a fan of Hackett, and that's going to go a long way. You know, this, this, this population of this Cowboys fan, not Cowboys, sorry, the Broncos just don't seem to like Hackett at all. And I do not see him starting in a starting job that much longer. And, you know, I think another coach who's on the hot sub, hot seat sorry, uh, is Ron Rivera. I mean, we've been talking about new guys with high-powered offenses who've been letting down expectations, but this is just a guy who has not done anything in his three years in Washington. And usually, I mean, you give him a year or two to settle in with the team, create a culture, but really just nothing has happened with that commander's team. And, they haven't improved at all in these last few years. I completely agree. Well, you know, do we have any final points, boys? I think we, we covered everything. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for coming on, Fielding. Appreciate it. Mean, it was it. great Thank to you have you, Chad. For having me. Awesome. So this was our fourth podcast, special guest, Fielding McKnight, and we're peacing out from Cole, Quinn, Blake, and Fielding. See ya. Quick, quick update, though. Oh, We oh. are now on... Amazon Music and Spotify. Wow. Almost hitting 200 listeners. We appreciate all of the support. Make sure to check out the Instagram and the TikTok. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for our fourth yeah, follow episode. Follow the Bi Week podcast, everyone. Yeah. Peace.